Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. And welcome to episode 126 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of November 2014, and the Daikaiju discussion episode for Godzilla's Revenge. And joining me here in the studio, we have Mr. Brian Cook. What's up, everybody? His lovely wife, Rachel. Hello there. And Mr. Martin Vavra. Yo. You guys have become, like, the core members of my co-hosts, and I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Excellent. I like being here. Well, we are going to uh, have a pretty big episode. This is, uh, we haven't had a standard episode in a while. This is a Daikaiju discussion, but we still need to cover quite a bit of things. And uh, because of that, we're just going to go ahead and get started with some requests that we have. <laughs> Actually, we are not going to play a request first. The first song we're going to be playing is a song from the Godzilla's Revenge soundtrack. Uh, this was from the 50, what is that called? The 50th anniversary perfect box set. This is Pun Pun Pun, sung by the Tokyo Small Child Choir. <laughs> Mama, they're more, come on, 
hamba-hambamu yang tanda pengurahan tunjukkanlah kesakuyan Mosulaya Mosulah Tunggang kesakuyan Indomu Lusto wilado Hamba-hambamu yang Tanda panguradang Tunjukkanlah Kesakuyan Hamba-hambamu yang landa panguradan Tunjukkanlah kesatuyang Mosulaya, Mosulah Tunggang kesatuyang Indomu Lusto wilado Hamba-hambamu yang landa panguradan Tunjukkanlah kesatuyan Mosulaya, Mosulah Mosulaya, could almost substitute Bolton's laugh in for that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, just to recap, we started things off with Pun 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 by the Tokyo Small Child Choir from Godzilla's Revenge. And um, I actually was looking at the soundtrack for the entire movie and I was like, what's this? And (laughs) I was like, that's kind of a cool song. And it's very reminiscent of the film. And we are going to be watching that in just a minute. But then we got a request from Rick who wanted to hear the Mothra song. So I played the original one. This is the, this was from the 1961 Mothra film. And it was uh, scored by Yuji Koseki. Uh, he also wanted to know how many Mothra songs are there. That's a great question. If you're just talking about songs dedicated to Mothra, then it's too many to count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, every time Mothra was in a movie, they re-recorded the Mothra song for Mothra. So uh, that's at least six or seven. Yeah. I don't really... Maybe I'll do the research on that for our next next time we talk about Mothra. Uh, then we followed that up with a request from Star Onyx. 
who wanted to hear the song from the beginning of the U.S. version of Godzilla's Revenge, which is actually a song, this is information that I gathered from GodzillaMonsterMusic.com. The main title theme was from the 1971 U.S. release of All Monsters Attack called Godzilla's Revenge. The main theme, March of the Monsters, is credited to Crown Records. But the actual song is called Crime Fiction by Irvin Jarib and used for the theme in the American version of the film. Uh, and then I found that song on YouTube. So, whoop, whoop, nice. big score. Uh, and that, of course, leads us to this. Once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast showcases one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one film to each month ensuring that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. Originally released on December 20th, 1969, Gojira, Minira, Gabira, Kaiju Daishingeki, which means Godzilla, Minya, Gabra, all monsters attack. Uh, that was released, like I said, in 1969 in Japan. In the States, it was billed, double billed, actually, I should say, as Godzilla's Revenge through UPA which is Hank Saperstein's company. Briefly, super briefly, it was released in some theaters in like New York and Massachusetts as Minya, Son of Godzilla, because apparently Saperstein didn't realize that a company called Continental had already licensed the movie to be shown, not this movie, but Son of Godzilla to be shown on TV. So there was hmm. like a conflict there with the name of the film. So, in order to fix that problem, they changed it to Godzilla's Revenge, which is a pretty catchy title. So, yeah, uh, Hank Saperstein, I'm going too, too much into this detail, but Hank Saperstein was in charge of UPA, United Pictures of America, I think, or United Picture Association, something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, you think I'd know that. <laughs> I know, I would know it too. I should, I'm not sure what's wrong with me. But they made some changes, and, you know, there's actually a lot of things that I could talk about with this film, so let's just save it till after we watch the movie, and uh, let's go do that right now. <laughs> each other for the conquest of our planet. See the giant spiders spin their web of fear around their enemies. Godzilla's revenge knows no limit. No end. No stopping. See man's last attempt at saving humanity from destruction. And Godzilla's revenge. Yeah, we just finished watching Godzilla's Revenge, or technically speaking, we watched uh, Godzilla Minya Gabara Oru Kaiju Daishingeki. And let's see here. Brian and I had seen this before. Yes. Brian, had you ever seen the Japanese version? Ooh, um, maybe only like once or twice. Okay. Maybe, maybe just. Maybe but you just had, one but the answer before. is you yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause I had never seen it before a couple of weeks ago. So it was very interesting to me to have watched the original or the, sorry, the American version of this film and then for years, right? Mm -hmm. And then flip that switch and watch the Japanese one. And, uh, well, I, you know, I'll put my, uh, my, initial thoughts in, in a little bit uh, but 
more importantly, Rachel had never seen this film before. Correct. And uh, neither had Mr. Martin. Well, in a way, I'd kind of seen some of it That's before. right. That's right. <laughs> You'd probably seen about half of it. Yeah, before. about half. At least half the monster action. <laughs> yep. Let's go with you first, man. What are your initial thoughts of Godzilla's Revenge? I uh, am a little shocked by having watched this film, and, and I was kind of wondering what the uh, what folks were going through when they made this thing. I know we've talked about it a little bit. Yeah, well, I can actually just say right now, this is um, this is the last film of the 60s. The last film, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't the last film in the Showa era, but this is the last film in what you could maybe consider to be like the best decade for Japanese cinema. Yeah, this is the downhill slide, isn't it, to 75 when you and I were talking oh, about this yeah. the other day. This oh, is yeah. like, they're definitely on the downhill trajectory. Yeah, this is basically like, ah, someone greased the slide, you know, we can't get up, you know. Uh, uh, So essentially, um, just to set the stage, as it were, uh, Eiji Tsuburaya was chronically, or that's not the word I'm looking for, the, he was basically dying, essentially. He was so sick that he, he wasn't able to be on set. So, Ishiro Honda, who's the director of the film, and he directed a bunch of the other movies, uh, he had the help of uh, visual effects assistance, I guess I would say, from Teriyushi Nakano, who basically took over the special effects department in the next set, which is like the 70s, Mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, Nakano worked with Tsuburaya, but Tsuburaya was given the on-screen credit of special effects director for this film. I'm probably going too much into detail here. Like, you don't need to know all this stuff. But (laughs) yeah, this is essentially like a really hard time for Toho. The budget was very small. This was the first movie, I believe. I have it written here. Let's see. I think it's the first movie to sell under 2 million tickets, Mm -hmm. which is a pretty big deal back then. Uh, This movie was actually created for the Toho Champion Matsuri Festival. And... Um, this was the first Godzilla film in that series. What they did with other Godzilla films is they took existing ones and they edited them down to be like about an hour and 10 minutes because these festivals, these essentially like long running kitty matinees. I mean, these festivals were for kids that were not in school at the time. So, uh, this is the first movie that they made for that, for that festival. And, uh, it's just that's a pretty clear example of what are you going to do? <laughs> you have no money to shoot a movie. And um, I'm so I'm surprised that this one was part of a kid festival with the dark content and the lack of children in this. Right. Right. <laughs> there is dark content, though. I mean, like, you know, this reminds me more of a camera film, right? Yeah. In a sense. I mean, it's a camera film. <laughs> Uh, and there's some speculation out there that Toho saw the success that the Gamera series was having and said, ah, you know, we got to start skewing it way further. And that's what they, they came up with this guy here. Mm. Yeah. I would imagine from your reaction that this, this is not <laughs> eliciting any sort of like praise from you. <laughs> You're not, not it ranking is... this high up in the, in the, Top it, 10. It is not. Yeah, this is not. I haven't changed my list from <laughs> when we've done that before. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Any Anything else you want to add to your initial thoughts? I want to hear what Rachel has to say. Okay. What do you want to say, Rachel? <laughs> well, my immediate thought is I really, I care for the little kid a lot and I wanted to root for him so much because I, I was 
had times when I was bullied as a kid and it was totally just like, yes, like get them back. Like fight those kids. You right. Know? Yeah. And it was great. And what a bizarre fight sequence that was. And oh, the end. At the right? end yeah. yeah. But, um, but I like Gabra. I like the look of him and I thought he was a really unusual monster. And I loved the, pink mohawk spikes in the middle with his hair and like and i love it with his electricity and everything yeah. I, I thought he was really cool um but the the film overall it was it was charming i i would say i i thought that it was i just really want to root for that little kid but, <laughs> um but at the same time as a kaiju film it was very very aimed towards children i would say very strange and i don't know just well, it's definitely aimed towards children yeah. without a doubt i mean yeah. this is this is actually the first godzilla film that features a child mm-hmm. you know like any children that happened to be in previous kaiju films from toho were just set dressing i mean they were just there i think mm-hmm. the closest you get and we can we don't need to focus on this but in ghidra the three-headed monster there are two kids that get up in front of a crowd that start asking to see where Mothra is. I think that's the closest you get in a Godzilla film. And then uh, there's a there's a kid in in Mothra, the 1961 Mothra film as well. Is that there was there was one I was trying to think of that we saw that had a kid pretty prominently in there, um, and, and that was uh, what was it with the there was like a bunch of folks. That were, man, I wish I could remember it. I can't keep them all straight. But the, I remember there was like a bunch of folks that were like hillbilly folks or whatever, or they were like small village people out there and they were. Oh, you're talking about Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. Is that, was that Smog Which, Monster? Well, I'm assuming. Yeah. Because if you're talking about the hillbilly folks, I assume you're talking about the people watching the the young people dance. Yes, that yes. one. Okay. The one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's actually the next film. The you know okay. Godzilla versus the Smog Monster oh, that's 1971, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. So there you go. That's <laughs> setting the stage as it were. This you know, first time there's a kid involved, then you get Smog Monster the next mm-hmm. film and then you get a little bit of a break with Godzilla versus Gigan, and then 1973 has another pretty prominently featured child actor, which is the same actor from Smog Monster in Godzilla versus Megalon. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Brian, what about you, man? Well, yeah, I had rarely seen the Japanese, if if at all. Like you were ju- just asked me, and I was trying to think if I'd really seen it, but. Uh, yeah, this is kind of almost like my first viewing of the Japanese because it's been so long. Like yeah. I didn't have very many memories of it, and I really have memories of the American dub. So, um, but it's much more enjoyable in Japanese, I would say. Yeah, the American dub is uh, unique, actually, and I, you know, there's some there's some weirdness with the American dub that I'm very happy. I'm very happy we did not get that for this particular version of the film, for the original Japanese version. Um, So I, when I watched this the other day, the Japanese version, I was very pleasantly surprised at how enjoyable I found it to be. Now, keep this in mind, I've already seen the movie many times over, you know, and actually it's surprising the amount of times that I have seen Godzilla's Revenge. 
and you know, I'm sure at some point in my life I was like, that's the worst Godzilla movie. I do not hold it as the worst Godzilla movie anymore. And I think I know why I've been thinking about this for the past like few weeks. Uh, it's almost like if, uh, you remember how in the movie he, um, Ace Amamoto was at the end of the film was saying like, you know, adults, we have God and children, <laughs> their God is Minya yeah. or whatever he was saying there. Like, in a sense, like if you think of kaiju fandom as being a religion, I've hit so many of the like marks, like I've bl- blasted past the whole like, can I suspend my disbelief? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, do I need the movie to be all monsters? Not at all. Do you know? And like, I've hit all these marks. And so now I can just easily, if, if someone was throwing the negative things at me, like, uh, <laughs> like some sort of weapon that could just go <laughs> matrix them away. It's like, yeah, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me. I don't care about that. Like, I actually really find the movie enjoyable now. Like, even, <laughs> Yes, I can acknowledge that there are stupid parts about it, and I can acknowledge the problems that it has, but I see that as more of a sign of like where the movie industry was in, in Tokyo at this time, in Japan at the time, and it's definitely more of a, it's almost more of a zen kind of thing, like, yes, I'm going to enjoy this film, and I do, <laughs> like, watch <laughs> it happen, and I, you know, I, I laugh at it. I get excited like during the fight scenes and you know, the monster stuff is absolutely secondary, if not tertiary to the rest of the enjoyment in this film. It's uh it's interesting. Yeah. It doesn't bother me with the stock footage anymore. Like I've yeah. achieved some sort of like Buddha like state. <laughs> <laughs> not saying I'm like bigger than Jesus or anything, but that's what you're supposed to say eventually. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come to peace with the universe that's a beatles reference and i don't know anything about the beatles <laughs> so i any, am the walrus yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right dude <laughs> donnie okay yeah. anyway um you know i don't know how much time we really want to talk about some of this stuff i'm i there are a couple things i wanted to mention about this earlier i i'm pretty sure i mentioned that uh we this was brought to the States by UPA, which was Hank Saperstein's company, and um, apparently Continental had entered a deal with Toho to release the Son of Godzilla, at least, mm-hmm. to television sets across the States. And I should show you guys real quick. Uh, the Art of Japanese Monsters book has a very lovely image of the poster for this film. The the American, the first one that they did with the Saperstein's company where he tried to release it as Minya, son of Godzilla. And it's very clear. See, here it is right here. So this is, oh. for the listeners out there, I'm showing them page number 163. And so here's the poster. I have something similar downstairs to this. Which mm-hmm. has, this is the double bill I was talking about earlier. It was released on a double bill, like, to drive-ins mm-hmm. with Island of the Burning Damned. Burning Damned. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, Godzilla's Revenge. And it says there in the, uh, oh, my God, I can't really read it. See, prehistoric monsters uh, crawl out of the, hi- it's very small. Um, see, prehistoric monsters crawl out of the hidden depths of the earth and take revenge against the living. Yeah. 
Remember when that happened yeah, in the totally. movie, right? Yeah, 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 it totally happened. <laughs> so yeah, so there's that one. And then I guess it did well enough so that they re-released it on a double bill as a double bill with War of the Gargantuas. But this one here, Minya, Son of Godzilla, that was the original poster that UPA made. Hmm. I don't know why I'm focusing on that. I found it fascinating when I found out that, yeah. that it had a limited release. And then they were like, oh, crap. No, that's not right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean... This is uh, clearly, it's a movie that doesn't, it doesn't bother me that it's, uh, it's so maligned either. I mean, uh, oh yeah, it it is so hated, you know, like at one point people would say it was easily the worst. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, this, the film really isn't about Godzilla or Godzilla's revenge. It's really a Minya growing up and. Mm -hmm getting ready to figure out how to go out on his own kind of a thing. Yeah. It it really is and and you know tied in with the kid, but it really isn't about mm-hmm. Godzilla's revenge. It's yeah. more about like him being a stay-at-home dad. Let me <laughs> yeah. let me blow your mind for a second. Okay. <laughs> it's actually not even a Godzilla movie. Yeah. It's a it's a movie that just happens to feature a kid who is obsessed with monsters. So imagine if you were living in the 60s as a child, and you got to go see the Godzilla movies. I mean, this is basically, this is a movie set in some sort of reality that we can actually relate to much more so than Monster Zero. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, there's nothing sci-fi happening in the real world stuff. I mean, and Godzilla isn't, I mean, in this film, Godzilla is a movie character. It's not, yeah. there's no real Godzilla. That's why at the end of the movie, when the reporters are like, what's this kid talking about? It's because... <laughs> Those reporters don't go see Godzilla movies, you know? So this is the Scientology for kaiju folks. This is kaijutology. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't looked up, looked into this whole Scientology thing that you're, you're a part of, Martin. So I really don't, (laughs) I don't need you preaching to our listeners. I thought that was the, the God tie in at the end with them. Uh, yeah. So this movie is, is a standalone. I mean, there's, it's not in the Godzilla universe. And it's really interesting to me that it sits outside of that reality. I mean, if you had like the, the timeline, this would just sit in a bubble outside. <laughs> You'd be it's anywhere. Not, yeah. It's not part of the chronology at all. So it's, I find it, I find it fascinating, really. Mm-hmm. And then there's the aspect of, you know, this is a movie with a social statement, even though it's, it might not seem like it. There's the social statement of, uh, you know, what, the youth of Japan was having to deal with where both the me- uh, the mother and the father were working. And you had all these latchkey kids playing in like urban wastelands. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of, it's really crazy to me that this is so hated by everybody. But yeah. I understand it's not part of the continuity, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's a hard pill to swallow, maybe. I don't know. But I, I don't know. I really kind of enjoy it. I don't have many bad things to say about it. Let's actually start with the bad things. Throw down some negativity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I guess in the negativity part of that, going though with what you're saying, that all makes sense. Mm -hmm. And and to be honest, I kind of needed that explained to me. I I totally get that. But at the same time, if that was, I I feel like that is really finding the good in it when probably (laughs) Honda's like, man. (laughs) <laughs> somebody found something out of that one because it was a it was like a greatest hit show it was like a clip show and that and, and instead of them creating their own film based on that kind of an idea where it's a mythology in this right, child's right. head and it doesn't have the chronology yeah it's 
it's it, this was probably like a punt. Sure. I just think that uh, I would say that where, you know, there might be issues with their, they, oh, you know, they use stock footage. And the, one of the first things you said once we shut it down is like there were multiple Godzilla suits in this film. And that's because everything was uh, not everything, but a majority of the monster action was all from other films godzilla versus the sea monster son of godzilla and destroy all monsters is thrown yeah in they in they did have that's right they did have some stuff from destroy all monsters in there but you know that really like i could see the justification like they didn't have the money to film a lot of new scenes mm-hmm. so they made what they did with what they could with they you know what they could actually afford to do and that was well, you know, we can't have all these elaborate, you know, shots with mm-hmm. monsters who maybe appre- uh, just appear for a brief second. So they just used their their film library as it was. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. This was uh, not the first Godzilla movie to liberally use stock footage, and absolutely not the last either. Would you say that's the well? And, and I totally, I totally get what you're saying. But yeah. really, do any of the monster battles that go on in there pertain to anything that is a message with the bully, with anything else? They really didn't have anything else. No, absolutely not. So they found not. a way. In fact, to, I would say that you're, uh, you know, that aspect of what you're saying is absolutely yeah. true. Like um, showing the battle between Kumonga and Godzilla, or the battle between Ebura and Godzilla. Mm-hmm. It's definitely. We got nothing somewhat else. padding it in a yeah. sense, but they also weaved the Minya and Ichiro into those those battles. They did, which makes sense to me. Am I defending this movie? Like, you are <laughs> in a very serious sense. way. Damn it! It makes sense to me because these are the things that Ichiro would have seen on screen. Mm-hmm. So he's already seen that on the movie screen. So he's like, yeah, remember that time that Godzilla fought. The giant condor in Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. <laughs> I want to live through that again, you know. Do you, anyway. have, do you have a giant condor action figure? Boom. Yeah. There, oh, yeah. bam, there it, is. there it is. He's tiny. But yeah, he's, I wouldn't say he's an action figure so much. Well. <laughs> Less action, more figure. But, right. you know, I, yeah, I guess, yeah, I do. I would defend this film if someone attacked it. Stop. I'm backing off. Don't look. Yeah. I'm, yeah, nothing else. <laughs> nope. No, I just. It's the best one it's I've one seen of today. Those things, it's one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man. How many Godzilla movies did you watch? <laughs> you must day. have watched at least seven. That's right. right. Yep. Um, but no, you know, this movie, I think it's, be, for me, I feel defensive towards it because for a long, long time, I actually did sit in that camp of like, man, this movie sucks, man. And then I don't remember what it was, but I think it was when I sort of graduated to the next level of my kaiju fandom where I'm like, all of a sudden I don't need to see, it doesn't all need to be about monsters fighting. And I'm more interested in what the human drama and characters are are doing and how they're developing. That kind of graduation, that next step of that love for this genre is I think what really opened my mind up to, (laughs) I freed my mind, (laughs) Godzilla's revenge will follow. Uh, No, I think that really is what sort of like made me start appreciating this film more. And of course, the knowledge that this movie was made with a shoestring budget, and this was the last film that Honda did until 1975 with Godzilla. All of these factors add to the the Rubik's Cube of how I enjoy this film. I like seeing other people enjoy it as well. So, so you are Ichiro. 
I'm already wearing the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go get my short shorts on and my members only jacket and, uh, and the yellow hat. The yellow hat. Originally, all this equipment here was yeah. for him to be like, "Come in, Monster Island. Come computer, in, Monster Island. Computer calling Monster Island. What? You take a jet? Take a jet to get there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't hate it." <laughs> I, someday I am going to rank them. I'm going to get one of those boards where you can get like the slats uh, and you can slide in names. And I'm going to write all the Godzilla films and I'm going to slide them in. And do it's that like the Cabin it. in the Woods board. Yes, yes, yes. Take bets on which ones I'm going to like the most. Anyway, uh, I'm talking too much. Rachel, tell me something you didn't like about this film. I kind of wish Mina didn't talk. I, I just could have done with less talking. Yeah, yeah. So I I just want to say uh, Minya was played by March on the Dwarf. The voice, however, the Japanese voice was done by Midori Uchiyama. So a woman voiced Minya's uh, voice. I'm sorry mm-hmm. for not saying that better. but <laughs> Why did it sound like she was in the costume with is him. that not weird <laughs> yeah. is that like i'm trapped in here <laughs> she, she totally sounded like this when she's talking. Yeah. <laughs> like why did they do that that was this weird really bizarre but at the same time i understand <laughs> why monsters shouldn't talk yeah. Hard, I guess. yeah but i i think that i don't really have much negative to say about this film i actually thoroughly enjoyed it as well i'll cool. let brian go for negativity yeah, mm. unload, man. The Minya suit looks terrible. Ooh, yeah. It okay, looks yeah. really bad. Yeah. Um, it's beaten up. They, the teeth, the, they break the mouth to make the teeth so he can talk and it just, ugh, oh, the teeth look disgusting and awful. And <laughs> yeah. Kinda well, they like, never had a, a Minya puppet before. Kind of like what? You know, the, um, the kids, the friend that, um, Amamoto is it? Oh, Ace Amamoto, the, yeah. The toy maker. Like his, but you don't see it in this film so much. You <laughs> his, more see it in, was it Dogra? Oh, so <laughs> mean. <laughs> so mean. Yeah, it's it's but I thought deep. of it wow. when I saw a Minion. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> the Japanese used to just not have as, they didn't place as much importance <laughs> on dental hygiene as we do yeah. here in America. Smoking but... was very popular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Anyway, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> so the Minya suit. Minya is an easy target, right? Yes. I mean, Minya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, back in 1967, you know, looking at that film, I still shake my head and say, what? Why? Why does he look like that? It's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> I, I, I actually don't like to think about the look of Minya. I will say that. That's, <laughs> you genuinely have a look of distaste. It's, on your face. it's disturbing. The decisions that they made, it doesn't fit into my brain holes with it saying, yes, this is a reason why they gave him these gigantic fat eyebrows and big gigantic <laughs> ping pong eyes. And, and the spines are tiny, tiny little nubs. Like I didn't even know that Minya had spines. I mm-hmm. was just going to say, this is news to me. That yeah. Yeah. Spines. yeah. They're tiny I little nubs. And, and his body is so just like chubby fat and. Yeah, well, what about yeah. that whole like warm up move he does before he blasts things? Yeah, where he rubs his belly. <laughs> yep. Here he comes, ladies. <laughs> uh, someone mentioned something in one of my research material books that might actually be uh, like a sumo move. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. I'm not sure, though. Makes sense. I'm not sure. I'm not Japanese. I have not watched a lot of sumo in my life. 
anyway, I guess that leaves me for negativity stuff, and you already took Minya. Well, just so, the suit. I don't. Yeah. I don't mean to rip on Minya's overall design. That's a whole different topic. But yeah, in particular, the suit looks really run down for this. Yeah. One. Well, now the listeners know how I really feel about <laughs> Minya. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I probably gave him a lot of <laughs> slack in the <laughs> when we talked <laughs> about Son of Godzilla. Uh, I would say negativity-wise, I guess I'm going to say the soundtrack. There are things that I like about it, and there are definitely uh, aspects of the soundtrack that I like. And as you know, yeah. the movie shut off, I was like sort of singing it. That's true. But if you were to listen to the entire soundtrack, it's extremely repetitive. And there's really only about three themes in the actual film. Yeah. And they just get reused and reused and reused and sort They're of so like fun. redone. They are fun. <laughs> now, Gito, you know who did the, you guys know who did the soundtrack is Kunio Miyauchi, who's the same guy that did the soundtrack for, uh, Ultra Q and Ultraman. Okay. Oh, I can totally see that. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. I was gonna, yeah. In fact, I would say that if you want to hear more of that style of music, watch the Kanagon episode, the, the one that guy looks like a golden clam. Mm-hmm. alien man <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's all it's a very kid-friendly episode and very light-hearted music behind that too anyway let's talk about things that we liked about the film can't wait to hear what you say martin <laughs> yeah no i can't wait either okay so um <laughs> it was uh i got one for you if you can't if you can't think of something okay kenji sahara was in it yes you like true. him <laughs> you like kenji sahara it's true uh um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Silence>. <laughs> I got I I don't hate the movie. I don't. But I don't have the meta love for it that you yeah, do. Yeah. So clearly I, I have I'm I, in a different like mindset when And it because to it, yeah. it is a clip show of things that I've that I've seen before and it's um it it's hard to say that there was like wow there was this one part that was really awesome because a lot of the parts are from other things and and uh yeah that's it's a little tough like i I think i would have to spend a little bit more time in the universe and appreciate it more to get to your place Mm, i got uh, like i honestly i don't have anything really pressing against it where i'm like man this thing sucked but at the same time i'm like rev that disc up again babies here we go (laughs) yeah (laughs) you ready to watch it again is that what you're saying maybe i want to see the english dub now (laughs) (laughs) i don't think you do martin (laughs) uh no i kind of (laughs) do well the good news for you is it's on netflix Netflix, i I know i told you you did and i just haven't had a chance now yeah i told these guys before i was like yeah, I was like, we're we're not gonna watch the American dub, so you just if you really want to see it, you should check it out. And like, the, part of the reason I I was suggesting to check it out is so you could see the difference in tone, um, because I really think that the audio quality in the American version is that much less than it is in the Japanese version we watched. Like, it's it feels more. You know, junky and like. I, I feel like, like a lot of times. Care. Like, yeah, well, I feel like in uh, in the few dubs, either part of the show when we've had dubs or when we've seen stuff on our own, I find that the foley work suffers a lot. Like the Americans yeah. really just don't want to spend that much time with it. Like, there's a lot of. I'm amazed at how much dead sound there is. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 nice to be able to see the uh, 
the these in here where they're in Japanese. Yeah, with subtitles. I, and you know, watching Ichiro, like, and I got to say, Ichiro. If you compare Ichiro to what is his name, the kid in Godzilla versus Megalon, Rockasan. Yeah, Rockson. Rockson. It, the the voices, right? So the voice that they used when they brought Megalon to the States and the voice oh. that they use for Ichiro in this one. Yeah. Like still, Megalon, way more grating. It's really way more irritating. annoying. Yeah. And and uh but you know, hearing the what I was gonna say is that hearing the Japanese actors' voices, you know, it's actually easier for me, and I've said this on the podcast before, it's easier for me to really get a gauge of if that actor is actually doing a good job. Whereas if you watch the English dub, the voice is so overpowering that sometimes it like overpowers whether or not the actual Japanese actor is is doing a good job in acting. So right. I think uh, when we reboot this whole Daikaiju discussion, it's pretty much going gonna to be Japanese dubs mm-hmm. or Japanese dubs. Japanese <laughs> <laughs> We're going to watch the re-imported, ja- you know, version of the American dub, but dubbed in Japanese. Now, we're going to watch the Japanese versions of these films, unless there's something like, oh, you know, this is a different version of the movie. So we're going to watch the Godzilla King of the Monsters, as well as Gojira. So mm. anyway, getting off topic. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? What do you love about this film? Well, I, kn- I was going to say I love the surf punk kind of music. I think it's a oh, lot of fun. I thought you were going to say um, you love Gabra. But, uh, but yeah, I do love Gabra. I already said that, though. <laughs> but it, I don't know. I think this film, I, I when you brought up the fact that the music is um, done by the same guy that does a lot of Ultraman music, I think that's a big reason why I like this film. Interesting. Because it reminds me of Ultraman a lot. Um, I think that that capturing that child's imagination and mm-hmm. going off to, you know, see the monsters and stuff. And there's a lot of kids in Ultraman episodes. And I was thinking of, there's that one kid that like draws an Ultraman monster and that monster oh, comes yeah. to life. Gabadon, in episode. Yeah. Like it was just such a great episode, but it reminded me of that in a sense of just, I don't know. I think that's, I think it's me just being able to relate to Ichiro. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like, Oh, he's like living in my dream world. Where I dream about monsters and when <laughs> Brian asks for ideas for writing, I'm not a writer at all. And I'm just like, you should just write about Pigmon and Ultraman <laughs> holding hands and running off into this fantasy land, like, yeah. <laughs> where they made the Flash. And I'm just, you know, it just, this kid, I, I get him. Him yeah. and I are on the same wavelength. So it almost sounds I like really you could like say this. that you like each hero. So, like, that's the, uh, yes, that's the that's thing true. you like the most I about do. him. I like the little kid. I think he's a lot of fun. And I could, yeah, and I totally root for him the whole movie. And Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've heard complaints levied against the film that it goes past him just standing up for the bully, and then eventually he becomes the bully. Right. Because he, not only does he beat up his Gabra so, somewhat relentlessly, yes. but then he goes and fires off the painter's horn, making him fall and turn into That's the... True. White-faced Woody. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I think he was just trying to prove himself to everybody. Like, yeah, I I was kind of watching it with that too. Yeah, feel like he's the good guy. I don't think that he turned into the bully, but I could see why people may say that. But I think it was more he's just like, "Ha, look, I'm all powerful now. Look, look at my confidence." Yeah. 
you know. Yeah, I would say that when I watched it this time and the the previous viewing, the Japanese version, I sort of watched it more with like it. it does he become a bully? Like with that sort of question in my mind, and I don't think he becomes a bully necessarily. I think what he's trying to do is show that he's not afraid anymore, yeah, totally. and that's sort yeah. of. Yeah, he and he does acknowledge. He's like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that, Dad. Will you please go apologize for me? I'm sorry. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I just, I just, I just dig it. Yeah. I think you guys can tell. I'm, I'm definitely happy that we watched it. <laughs> Brian, what's something that you really love about this film? Um, well, th- this was an easy film to get your hands on when when I was a kid in the mm-hmm. 90s. This was on, it seemed like this was the one that TNT played relentlessly. Mm. You know, you could really? pretty much find it, yeah. And I always kind of just wrote it off and I didn't like it, kind of like everyone else did where everyone was saying, like, not not you guys. I looked over at the wrong time there. But <laughs> in general, like, Godzilla fans, <laughs> Godzilla fans in general were kind of like, oh, that's the worst one, that one's bad. And yeah. I kind of had that opinion. And then, uh, do you remember those DVDs? It was kind of the first time you could get the widescreen versions of Godzilla movies on DVD. Yeah, the Scimitar movies. Scimitars. Yeah. I couldn't think of the name of the label. They did Godzilla's Revenge. Mm-hmm. So I sat down and watched it for the first time in widescreen. And I think it was the dub still. But I was, you know, in my late teens, if not maybe even in my 20s at that point. And then watching the movie again, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually kind of genius. Like... It's really heartwarming and, and, and really, really special in terms of like what we're saying, like the story of Ichiro, like it's kind of beautiful. And I was almost moved by it. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that I found like this, this massive positivity from this movie that I 10 years prior would have just written off. So my opinion changed then. And ever since then, I've always kind of held this movie, not in high regard. I wouldn't put it at the top of my list or anything, but, uh, in terms of Godzilla movies for kids, uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's really great in, in that, uh, aspect. Yeah. I would absolutely agree with that, you know? And I think me, you know, you mentioning the scimitar discs, I definitely picked those up when I could. Um, and I think it might've been, I, it was definitely somewhere in between getting the Scimitar DVD where it was in widescreen. Yeah. And when it was actually released through classic media with the, the version we saw tonight, which is has both the English and the Japanese version on it. It was somewhere in between there where I was like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, give this movie another shot. Cause I'm pretty sure that the first time I saw the movie, I was like, gross. <laughs> that was terrible. But just when you were just talking about seeing the widescreen version, and I'm assuming the differences in seeing that versus seeing the old pan and scan mm-hmm. four to three ratio, you know, version, you know, it reminds me of watching the nice, pristine quality version of Megalon. And the difference that was from seeing like just the hacked to pieces, terribly colored, faded scratchy version that i used to have and it's sort of the same kind of thing for me you know like maybe that was what set me off onto this pathway of like maybe i do kind of like this movie now Mm -hmm. for me i've already spoken a lot about what i like about this film so i don't (laughs) think i need to really uh find anything else to to praise it for uh but let's go into our final thoughts here before we move on to the listener homework 
I don't love it. I don't hate it. Uh, but I, I think it has its place. And I, I wouldn't introduce a new person with it. I just love any kaiju movie where you could be friends with the monsters. <laughs> <laughs> just they shouldn't talk. <laughs> so, but the talking, yeah, we don't. We, I, I prefer silent friend monsters. Would you show this to a kaiju newbie? Depends on the kaiju newbie, I would say. It's definitely a case-by-case kind of basis. Interesting. Because I think somebody like my sister, who is not into kaiju films mm-hmm. at all, I think she could find the charm in it. Um, whereas I think that other friends of mine that are not into monster movies at all, I don't think they would get into this at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it depends on the person. Right on. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely wouldn't, it wouldn't be my first thing to show someone. That's for sure. Uh, it, cause it takes a little bit of setup to, to, to explain to people, you know, this is what was happening with the Godzilla series at the time. But yeah, I mean, it's such a positive movie overall. Uh, my, my opinion of it has just changed so much over the years from, you know, not total hatred, but just ignoring it to now where I'm just like, well, that's kind of a really special movie. So it definitely is special. And I'm, I'm not using that in a negative connotation. Yeah. I mean, it's special for one because it's completely different than any other Godzilla film mm-hmm. we've ever seen. So actually, there is an Ultraman movie where the, uh, I don't know the character's name, so I'm, I'm sorry to Ultra fans out there because I'm not the hugest Ultra fan, but the Hayata-like character gets teleported to another dimension where Ultraman is on TV. And like, I, I, I have you seen this? No. no ah, okay. That sounds cool. Yeah, he goes to this other dimension, essentially, where it's basically our our universe. Yeah. And so Ultraman's on TV, and he and walks into a store, and he's like, what is going on? He sees all this Ultra merchandise. <laughs> anyway. That's really cool. Completely off topic, so uh, I'll just get down to my final thoughts. This movie is absolutely uh, worth checking out with the mindset of watching it outside of the Godzilla series. Like, this is a standalone movie that exists in that bubble outside of the the chronology. And it suffers from problems, without a doubt. But uh, I really think that Ishiro Honda and his crew, as small as it was, were really trying to make, uh, you said positive, Brian, really trying to make a positive impact for these kids. You know, this... This film played at film festivals or film, the film series that was absolutely targeted at children. So Ishiro Honda was absolutely trying to speak to kids. And I think that's amazing. Uh, more so than I would, yeah, I would say it's more amazing that he was doing that with Godzilla's Revenge than with any other message that we got in the Godzilla series outside of the very first one, mm-hmm. you know? So that might be an s- extremely bold statement for me to make just in my <laughs> own psyche, but I really do at this moment right now and <laughs> 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 where we are in the recording, I really do believe that, you know, it's, I would not even say that it belongs in the bottom five. There are aspects of this film and the character development and the writing, which is also Shinichi Sekizawa, I should add. So, you know, one of the people that has written some of the most beloved Godzilla movies is the guy that wrote this film. Anyway, um, 
I would say that this movie is 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 great, you know, and if you can get past those negative things, it uses stock footage, it, you know, has a kid actor, it, you know, it's not in the Godzilla chronology. If you can get past those things, then Godzilla's Revenge or All Monsters Attack or whatever you want to call it definitely is a is a great film that that deserves a lot of respect from people. So two of our kaiju colonels sent in their homework and also uh we had a number of people sit in their written homework as well we're going to go ahead and start things off with steven hello kyle and kaiju cast and company this is steve vale here i'm just making a few remarks about godzilla's revenge i know this movie is mostly reviled but i kind of have a little bit of an affection for it it's definitely geared towards children. Clearly it has recycled stock footage and is not the greatest of the Godzilla movies by any stretch of the imagination. Nevertheless, I like the idea of using Godzilla in this way to help a child face his bullies both inner and outer. It's not a movie that I would recommend to a kaiju newbie unless that kaiju newbie was a little kid around this age, the kid in the film, and possibly if that kid was facing a bully in his or her own life. There's not much more to say about it. It's not a great Godzilla movie, but it's one that I think has its place in the Godzilla oeuvre. Anyways, thank you for all that you guys do. Sayonara. Bye for now. And then we also got one in from Danny. Well, folks, we finally come to it. The discussion of what may be the most reviled Godzilla film of all time, and without a doubt, the most misunderstood. The infamous All Monsters Attack, or Godzilla's Revenge. Probably a good nine-tenths of the fan base will burn me in effigy for saying this, but I really love this movie. I just can't hate it. There, I said it, and I'd say it again if I had to. This film is definitely an odd one, and an acquired taste to be sure, but if you can approach it from the right perspective and furthermore view it with the understanding of what Ishiro Honda was trying to convey in the story, you'll find a fun film that deserves appreciation. For most fans, their hatred of this movie most likely has a lot to do with its mind-bogglingly god-awful dub. And for that, I can't blame them. Short of the Heisei and Millennium dubbing horrors, this might be the worst dub in Godzilla history. Whose brilliant idea was it to give Minola a voice that is disturbingly 50% Barney Fife? 50% Barney the Dinosaur. I'm sure that decision resulted in some serious couch time for a few kids in the 70s. If true appreciation for this much maligned film is to be found, you'll find it in the original Japanese cut. Without the horrific dub as a distraction, an oddly powerful and relatable subtext can be found, and this is all due to director Honda. Instead of simply creating a mindless bit of youngster cinema, Honda instead crafts a critique of and examination of Japan at the end of the 1960s, and its impact on the younger generation, woven brilliantly into the guise of a children's fantasy film. The story, which is, which, uh, when not in, in Ichiro's head, takes place in the real world. No giant monsters, mazers, UFOs, or rocket bases to be seen. Instead, we get smog-spewing factories and children playing with its garbage in abandoned warehouses. This isn't the optimistic fantasy world of Honda's previous films, it's a cold reality of industry, bullies, and parents who must leave their children alone to make money. The harshness of this reality is jarring, and it even extends into the bright, colorful world of Monster Island in subtle ways. The best example is the scene where Godzilla teaches Minola how to breathe atomic fire. 
In a film chock full of stock footage, including some scenes from Son of Godzilla, why shoot this scene again when a nearly identical scene already existed? The differences are telling. In the new footage shot by Honda, Godzilla is much harsher to Minola, changing their relationship in a significant way. Remember, this is all in Ichiro's head, and he's essentially seeing himself and his life reflected in Monster Island. Minola has a dad who's never around, and a bully. Gabara is an awesome and unique monster, and the fact that his existence is entirely the fault of Ichiro's lonely brain makes it one of Toho's oddest kaiju. When all um, this surprisingly deep stuff is taken into account, it's easier to see Godzilla's revenge in a different and hopefully more positive light. That said, this is obviously not a film to start an older Godzilla newbie out on, but it is just about perfect for younger fans as an introduction to the series. I can hardly wait to show it to my kids when I one day start a family of my own. An honest three vacuum tubes out of five. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Big thanks to Steven and Danny for sending in their homework. We do have, of course, our uh, our other kaiju cast homework. I don't know why I said that way. Our other discussion homework coming in right now. Uh, start things off with Steven, who says, different Steven, I should note. Steven says that the, from the opening sax and vocal salvo that assaults your senses, you know you're in for a very different kind of Godzilla movie. There is so much hate directed at this film, you'd swear it was responsible for global warming. It isn't, by the way. The movie responsible for that particular phenomenon is Yongari. And for the life of him, Steven doesn't understand why. With the universal themes of bullying, latchkey kids, and the trend in the 60s and 70s of making Japanese children wear tiny pants, it's a great gateway drug to get kids hooked on kaiju movies. Steven knows this because Godzilla's Revenge has successfully introduced at least three kids in his family to kaiju films. And as for the argument that it shouldn't even be included in the fractured continuity of the Showa series, he totally agrees. This film takes place in a child's bipolar world, reality and his version of Monster Island. In fact, we never really go to Monster Island except for in this young man's mind. This is a fun kid's monster movie, plain, pure, and simple, and Steven would rather his kid watch this than Frozen. That said, Minya's presence, and in particular his voice, does grate on a person's nerves quite quickly, more so than even Kamakaris's high-pitched squeal. And as for Gabra, well, somebody had to monsterfy the bullies in this movie. Not Toho's best design, but not their worst either. Steve gives it three out of five short pants. I'm just going to say it's very easy to hate on the film's short pants, but it is one of those things like, I don't even know if I'm going to include this in the recording, but short pants are a thing that happened in Japan. It's part of history. You got to deal with it. <laughs> I think he's dealing with it just fine. Well, he's wearing them. He has to defend them. Yeah. Steven's wearing them or I'm wearing them. I'm wearing them. I d oh, I'm wearing them. Those that, what is it? Defend the most or what is it? Those that. No, don't, don't worry. You figure it out. We'll figure it out. Protest them. I'm not protesting them. <laughs> no, no, I say it. I was trying to think of the <laughs> phrase, and I can't think of the proper phrase. <laughs> okay. It was supposed to make it seem more like you were wearing them. Okay. <laughs> they do ride up a little bit. So. <laughs> Chase will start by saying that when he heard this movie was next, he nearly cried. He heard all of the bad reviews of it and really didn't know what to expect. Wow, not a disrespectful wow, but just wow. It was quite obvious this movie was made for children, so he'll be a bit easy on it. It wasn't too bad a movie, actually, knowing that children would be watching it, but it has its fair share of terrible moments. 
it also has some real pros to it as well. First off, if you just love short, if you just love short wearing children, which he hopes you don't, <laughs> you'll love the beginning of this movie. It has an entire crowd of them and they mercilessly bully the kid Ichiro. Along with that, there was terrible acting on the behalf of everyone, but he doesn't know if this was the dub he was watching. Gabra and Minya are very probably the worst designed kaiju ever, and Gabra is a total butt munch to everyone, <laughs> both the kaiju and the annoying bully. He is, he without hesitation brings the smackdown on Minya, and Godzilla does not intervene. What a terrible father. If your suspension of disbelief was not enabled before the movie began, you are doing it wrong. You'll need it. First thing, Barney, er, Minya, talks, but Chase's suspension of disbelief was strong enough to just make it slightly annoying. Certain shots just hurt his eyes, specifically the negative light effects. But it has its moments, like its funky title theme, one of Chase's personal favorites from the Showa series, along with that, some scenes actually made him chuckle. And in movies that were made for kids like this, that's not bad. The Godzilla suit, not the stock footage ones, mind you, looked good. It was better than the one in Son of Godzilla. Ichiro's character, minus the beating up of the criminals, was quite believable. A child who barely sees his parents and is bullied every day would probably make a dream world for escape. Overall, it may pale in comparison to other movies, mostly because of its really, and he means really, weird plot. Weird as it may be, it's not as terrible as some people say. The bad guys are caught, Ichiro fights off the bullies, and joins the, their delinquent gang, and Minya is respected by his pop. All is good in the world. Seven short shorts out of ten. Tom notes that Ishiro Honda faced several dilemmas. The tiniest budget and shortest schedule yet. A new demanding audience, mostly kids with baseball caps, facing many directions. <laughs> Reportedly, Eiji Tsuburaya was too ill to work on this film, unable to direct any new special effects. No one of any age saw Godzilla as frightening as they once had. So Honda changed his tactics. He was going to make a kid's film with monsters only in the imagination of its hero. All Monsters Attack is carefully shot. The camera work is modest, but the cinematography has no serious flaws and supports the story. The script, with some dream fantasy aside, is simple, but is continuous and lacks outlandish coincidences. The characters are all fleshed out, even the minor ones. The cast is not turning in any Academy Award moments, but everyone hits their mark and no one even appears to be acting, not even the kids. It's a work of craftsmanship under pressure that does its job beautifully. The setting of the film is even more outlandish than Skull Island, but was once very real. No, not Monster Island. Honda captures the fun of playing in unfunded, super fun sites, fighting in hot pants, and collecting the in <laughs> and collecting industrial <laughs> refuse. Even the air has that pudding-like look it had before unleaded gasoline and widespread use of catalytic converters, not to mention nearly unregulated factory fumes. And almost universally, kids were left pretty much to their own devices, simply told to stay in the neighborhood and out of trouble and to be back before dark, unless their parents had some specific tasks for them. Many online argue that this film should go at the bottom of the Kaiju Ega ranking because it lacks lots of new special effects shots. Watching Minya get kicked back by Godzilla to fight the electric grumpy cat is all the new special effects required in a film. 
Even better is that Minya's English-dubbed voice sounds Bill Thompson-esque. All Monsters Attack has a simple message to its audience that sounds like the inverse of the original Gojira film's theme. The first movie's message was no war, no nukes, no violence. With All Monsters Attack, Honda clearly says, don't give in to bullies. Tom doesn't think Honda is taking back his first statement at all. Logically, you can't stop wars if you give in to bullies, who, in Tom's opinion, always seem to want the most, but are often the ones who seem least able to handle the results. A lesson that Honda, looking back, might have wanted to tell his younger self if he could have. Mike remembers the day he first saw Godzilla's Revenge. It was the same day that Godzilla vs. Megalon premiered on NBC. Unfortunately, Megalon came on after his strictly enforced bedtime of 8pm and his parents weren't bending the rules for anything. However, the same station thought that it would be an appropriate tie-in to show Revenge earlier in the day. So he was allowed to see that, and it instantly became Mike's least favorite film in the series. The problems with the movie are twofold. One, it was set in the real world where monsters were just imaginary characters in movies. Mike had no interest in this since he already lived in the real world where monsters were just imaginary characters in movies. If he's going to watch a monster movie, make it a flipping monster movie. Number two, although the amount of monster footage was relatively substantial, it was also front-loaded. After a certain point near the climax, the monsters disappear altogether and we don't see them again except for brief flashes. The Ichiro versus Bullies and Bank Robbers plot came off like something from a from an ABC after-school special. The stock footage didn't bother him as he hadn't seen any of the other films yet. As a study in, in contemporary Japanese latchkey kid existence, it probably holds more interest for an adult than a monster-obsessed kid. Isn't that ironic? Kind of like Ozu's Good Morning and other such films. A few things he noticed on the latest viewing. The Japanese mannerisms of squinting your eyes, baring your teeth, and going eee when you don't like something or are displeased by what's on television. It's right up there with the slapping your butt action seen in some Japanese films. And Mike thinks he will adopt this in, in his life over here. Sir, do you know why I pulled you over? <laughs> That'll get you out of some tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, Go for it, Mike. Let us know how that works. <laughs> he also noticed that the movie blurred the lines between daydreaming and actual sleep dreaming. Ichiro started off with fantasies while awake, but when roused from them, we see that he had dozed off at some point. He also had a strange imagination. Why imagine a plane full of passengers and then have them all vanish? Why imagine the plane flying itself and keep the disembodied voice of the stewardess and then materialize on Monster Island without landing? Mike's imagination was much more coherent and had cooler scenarios and still had cooler scenarios, though now it tends to involve Hooters girls more than it does monsters. First impressions are hard to erase and the movie is probably better than he's giving it credit for. Still, this would probably be close to Mike's last choice for monster viewing entertainment. Okay, so I have to preface this next homework by saying that for quite some time, Herman has been sending in his homework on the regular, so he's a valued listener, and because of that, I'm going to do what he's asking. But I need to tackle this with a little kaiju cast theater. <clears throat> it's the worst Godzilla movie ever! It's so bad! It's got nothing but stock footage! Blah, blah, blah. I don't care what anybody says. I absolutely adore this movie. 
I really hope that's what you wanted, man. I don't get to do voices that often on the show, so you're welcome. <laughs> this film was one of the holy trinity that solidified Herman's love of Godzilla at six years old and brought him so much joy as a child. Come on, what six-year-old kid wouldn't want to go to Monster Island and watch Godzilla kick some butt? This movie gets to that point quickly and keeps the kaiju action fast and furious. Although, I have to say, I don't know if you're allowed to reference Fast and Furious and Godzilla's Revenge in the same sentence. But, moving on. What a on. great crossover possibility right there. <laughs> From the second you hear the groovy saxophone start in the Mo March of the Monsters till when you see the end on the screen, Herman would sit transfixed in front of the TV, utterly mesmerized. Then, the instant it was over, he'd run to his room, fluff off his blankets and pillows to form makeshift mountains, and his bed would suddenly be transformed into Monster Island. He'd grab his Shogun Warriors Godzilla and his Shogun Warriors Guy King as a stand-in for Gabara. Of course, Gabara doesn't look like Guy King at all, but that hardly mattered to his overstimulated six-year-old brain. He'd then proceed to recreate the battles from the movie Sheer Pure Kaiju Ecstasy. Now, having said all that, Herman isn't going to try and rationalize that Godzilla's Revenge is some kind of cinematic masterpiece on a technical level, nor can he offer any real arguments against the criticism leveled at it. But considering that he was in the exact demographic this film was intended for at its release, it did its job perfectly. Further testimony to this is Herman's four-year-old nephew. His favorite thing to watch on Netflix is Godzilla's Revenge. He likes it more than Monster Zero and Terror of Mechagodzilla. He watches it more often than Godzilla Final Wars. And he appears as addicted to Godzilla's Revenge as Herman was. Bottom line, no matter what any loudmouth, self-professed, geeky internet critic says, Herman will always love this movie, until the day he dies. This film will always occupy a special place in Herman's heart. A place where he'll always be six years old, hanging out on Monster Island, and watching Godzilla kick butt. Thank you for all the happy memories, Godzilla. Herman loves you. Brandon would like to say that even though this is one of the worst movies in the series, he likes it. He thinks it's one of those movies you just watch on a Saturday morning and just enjoy it for what it is. He likes it because it is just a random adventure in the Godzilla universe. When he is older, this might be one of the first movies he'll show his children because it's a kiddie adventure with kaiju and a lesson. One last thing he saw, or one last thing, he saw the Cinemassacre Godzilla-thon review, and the final thing James says in his review is Godzilla Re Godzilla's Revenge who did he get revenge on? That's what I want to know. Adam writes in to say that Godzilla's Revenge was that rare Honda film which focused on one character, in this case, Ichiro, a lonely preschooler bullied by a kid named Gabara, first seen wearing his cap off to one side as an indication of his disassociation with society. Even more unique is that similar to a brief moment in Mothra, when we are able to hear a character's thoughts, the viewer is taken directly into Ichiro's subconscious. Godzilla's Revenge is a one-of-a-kind Godzilla film in that, strictly speaking, Godzilla never really makes an appearance other than as a dream in the boy's imagination. Ichiro's parents are upset that they cannot spend more time with their son, yet neither are able or willing to do anything about it. Kenkichi's co-worker asks if he knows a solution, and Kenkichi has it. Money. Strangely, screenwriter Sekizawa does not have Ichiro receive a large reward for helping to capture the two criminals, which would have enabled his parents to move to a better area or allow one to quit their job so as to spend more time at home with their son. 
The opening shots of the movie are perhaps the dreariest in all of Honda's fantasy films. A city submerged in smog with congested traffic snarling on the streets. The shots of traffic taken with a telephoto lens and shot at ground level for added visual impact puts the viewer right in the middle of the congested street. And while the idea of industrial pollution is not central to the picture, Honda shows us just enough of these shots to get the point across as to the kind of environment Ichiro lives in. Godzilla's Revenge had one of the smallest casts ever in a Honda film. In fact, there are only four principal characters, Ichiro, Inami, and the two criminals. The part of Ichiro was played by Tomonori Yazaki, who by no means was a pretty boy, but just an average-looking kid. The young actor successfully registers fear, vulnerability, and joy. Veteran heavy Eisei Amamoto was another example of Honda's casting against type as Amamoto plays toy consultant slash inventor Shinpei Inami, first seen absent-mindedly smoking in front of Ichiro. Adam heard in later years that Amamoto claimed that he was totally wrong for the part, giving in his estimation a very bad performance. However, this reviewer disagrees and thinks that the actor very credibly plays a kindly eccentric and mild-mannered inventor. Kenji Sahara played the minor role of the boy's father, with Machiko Naka playing the part of his overworked mother. Both actors had only two scenes apiece in the film, but Naka shares only one scene with the boy. Sahara and Yazaki have two scenes together, but are rarely photographed in the same shot and never on equal level, stressing the gap in their relationship. Godzilla's Revenge, slash All Monsters Attack, is routinely dismissed as not only the worst Godzilla film Honda ever directed, but possibly the worst Godzilla film ever made. If this were to be taken as fact, it would place Honda in the distinctive position of having directed both the best and the worst films in a long-running movie series. Seen today, Godzilla's Revenge is difficult to evaluate objectively due in no small part to the emotions it stirs with viewers. Perhaps the movie's most enduring legacy was that it was not just a reflection of the new direction the Godzilla series was taking, but the ultimate embodiment of the personality and philosophy of the man who created it. The 60s had brought many changes for both Honda and Godzilla, At the beginning of the 60s, Godzilla was an unstoppable engine of destruction and a warning of the atomic age. But by the end of the decade, Godzilla's character had softened to the point where its main concern was teaching its son how to breathe fire, which had now significantly lost its radioactive bite. The film's subsequent failure at the box office must have come as a major disappointment to Honda. Its lack of commercial success convinced him that his days of directing Godzilla films had finally come to an ignominious end. Gojira, Minira, Gabera, Oru, Kaiju, Daishingeki, All Monsters Attack, Godzilla's Revenge is definitely one of Adam's favorite movies in the series. Gary says that Godzilla's Revenge has all the makings for a a not-so-great Godzilla movie. Stock footage? Check. Anonymous little kid? Check. Different Godzilla suits? Check. Less than stellar score? Check. So it's a no-brainer. This movie is, dramatic pause, fantastic. And for one simple reason. As Christopher Walken said in a classic SNL skit, I need more cowbell. Well, Gary needs more Gabra. As a little kid, Gabra scared him big time. To this day, Gary still fears Gabra a little. Next to Godzilla, Gabra is Gary's favorite kaiju. The reason alone makes Godzilla's Revenge in the top third of all of the Godzilla movies for Gary. 7 out of 10 atomic breaths. Kyle, on the other hand, says it wasn't good. One out of ten atomic blasts. Danielle says that Godzilla's Revenge, or All Monsters Attack, is an underrated gem of the Godzilla franchise. Albeit cheesy and a little dumb, Godzilla's Revenge is a wonderful film for younger G-fans. The main character, Ichiro, is a die-hard Godzilla fan, 
and goes on an adventure with Minya and partakes in monster battles and watching Godzilla kick butt. Ichiro experiences what all G-fans want to experience. Although the stock footage is quite prominent, it takes place in a child's mind, so that kind of explains why, but at least this footage is of awesome parts in the previous Godzilla films, so there's no complaint there. Gabra isn't that bad of a monster either. You know how monsters usually represent something? Gabra represents bullying, and how scary and intimidating it is. Gabra has an evil laugh as a roar and piercing bloodshot eyes. He haunts children and maybe adults in their dreams, but if you stand up to Gabra, he can be defeated. It's a good lesson to teach kids. This movie is a wonderful and unsung masterpiece. It usually makes Danielle sad when she sees people hating on it. She can get that everyone has an opinion, but they state that it's the worst Godzilla film ever, and she actually typed it out in all caps with like <laughs> misspelled words and the exclamation points changing to ones. <laughs> She feels that this movie needs a lot more appreciation. People don't need to like it, but at least give it some respect. There you go. That's our Daikaiju discussion homework for Godzilla's Revenge. Thank you to our Kaiju Colonels and all of our listeners for sending in that homework. And also thank you to you guys for coming over and watching that as well. Uh, next month's movie? Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. Yes! 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 Oh, Merry Christmas to me. Yes. Oh, and because <laughs> it's Christmas, uh, your due date, listeners, for sending in your homework is the 17th. We're going to make it a little earlier um, because of the Christmas holidays and so forth. So you have until December 17th. Make sure you send that in before December 17th to get your homework part of the discussion episode. Uh, now, guess what we have? Pickle Ginger! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I thought that was going to get more applause and... I've been told not to yell into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> this Pickle Ginger was sent in by Kaiju Colonel Jace, who unfortunately has not been able to send in his homework recently, but that's because he is a father. He just, oh, just uh, he and his wife just yeah. had a... Had a little baby. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and uh, he has four questions here. Bring it on. I have four chances to lose to Brian. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like my odds. Hey, hey, what about me? <laughs> okay, so some of them, this is very much like geek trivia, some of them have bonus points. All right. I feel like I should, no, I know. I was going to say, like, take notes or, you know, count the answers. I'm not going to do that. Question number one. You guys ready? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. What is the name of the terrorist organization in Ebira, Horror of the Deep, a.k.a. Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, and as an added bonus point, whatever, as a, <laughs> the filmmakers were using this organization to play on contemporary Japanese anxieties about what country? It's Red Bamboo. That is correct. <gasps> and I'm going to guess, yeah, either uh, China guess or Russia. Cuba. Yeah. yeah. According to Jace, it was China. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the film came out during the Cultural Revolution in China. Maoist types were even around in Japan during its period of brief 1960s radicalization. There's a documentary called United Red Army on Netflix about it. Question number two. 
In the 1991 Godzilla vs. King Ghidra, the Godzillasaurus, who would become Godzilla on Lagos Island, lets out a roar of what iconic non-Toho monster when he's being attacked by the U.S. Navy? Is it King Kong? I was going to say King Kong. Darn it. Mm-mm. It's not King Kong. Nope. Okay, so non-Toho monster. Yeah. Um... Should I actually play it? Because yeah. I don't know if Martin's seen that movie. Let's hear it. Oh, well. Wow, I never realized that. That's Gamera. You never realized that? Awesome. No. All right. Well, mm. did you guys know that that was Gamera? I did not. <laughs> I did. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. When he gets attacked, he's getting. He's, wow. Sounds like Gamera. Crazy. I knew that one. Anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> I've never noticed that. That's really cool. It's funny because Chase Jace says an easier one to finish up for question three. Name one Toho alien invasion force that is not in the Godzilla films. Oh. Red bamboo. <laughs> <laughs> so like the Mysterians? Yes, the Mysterians. Oh. oh. Bam. Also yeah. the Natal from Battle in Outer Space would also sure. count. Yeah. And Did if you count I the, people, the Moo people? Yeah, that's an invasion, but not yeah, from outer space. Of, but then, it, what was it from outer space or just aliens? Well, technically, I guess they kind of are aliens. Aliens, like they, illegal aliens. Yeah, in terms of like crossing borders, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> they are crossing borders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see, and he has a bonus question here in case uh, he double dipped, but he didn't. So we'll just ask it anyway. What organization is found in the Dark Horse comics and in several of the Godzilla Heisei films? G-Force. G-Force, eh? <laughs> Yes, it is. And, Jace, you are correct. Dark Horse did do it first. That was created by uh, Art Adams, actually, for the Godzilla Color Special. And then, surprise, surprise, Toho said, <laughs> we like that. We're going to use it ourselves. We'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. Thanks for the suggestion, Mr. Adams. <laughs> Uh, anyway, there you have it. We are going to go ahead and take a wee little break before the news. I don't know why I went into some weird Irish accent. Yeah. Is it too strange? Should I redo it? Or should no, I just leave no, it I in? Think you should, you should leave it. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> the episode of Voices. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. The episode of Voices. Mm-hmm. Subtitle. Sounds way To the already extremely long <laughs> titling, yeah. Uh, this is a clip from Super Scary Saturdays, Godzilla's Revenge opening. So Super Scary Saturdays had Grandpa from the Munsters. <laughs> and welcome to another monstrous edition of Super Scary Saturday on the Superstation. Boy, do I have a treat for you. <laughs> this is better than having your own Red Cross blood bank franchise. Now, you've all heard of WrestleMania. Well, I have for you Monster Mania. <laughs> Super Scary Saturday Sports has assembled the greatest cast the finest cast of monsters ever in a battle to the death. It's Godzilla, 
fighting all comers. <laughs> oh, don't let Godzilla's disarming personality fool you. <laughs> that boy is up to kick a son a tail. Monster fans, this is it. Serious time, crunch time. Unquestionably, the only obstacle to Godzilla retaining his world's heavyweight monster title is Gabara. Let me tell you something, you giant white lizard. I'm the prettiest monster and the meanest Godzilla. I don't care if you can breathe fire. You're gonna get the sack of your lap when you step on the monster island with me, Gabra, the giant cat from Monster Mania. I'm the one, the only, the true world champion. You may be pretty, Gabra, but you're also a sissy. You're forgetting that even my little boy can whip you. You're gonna flip when you see the new moves I perfected for Monster Mania. I'm gonna recapture my title, and there's nothing you can do about it. Ooh, woo! Wowie! <laughs> Godzilla is out to destroy all monsters! Now this should be something. Super Scary Sports is proud to present for you! <laughs> Monster Mania and Godzilla's Revenge! United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. All right. It seems like it's been a long time since we've done like a legit news section. So here we go. The first thing I have to talk about is Diamond Select Toys recently i think this month unveiled their godzilla pizza cutter did you guys see this yeah, <laughs> yeah. <great>. <laughs> i don't know uh what to think about it because you know all the all the pizza cutters that i've seen the nerdy ones uh have all been like really awesome aluminum or you know metal ones like the the uh enterprise. star trek enterprise yeah. pizza cutter i feel like there have been some other ones but isn't there like a millennium falcon one I can't remember. Anyway. Probably. The one that they're making has like Godzilla's head and then like a disc underneath his chin. And like, it's all part of the whole thing. So I've never used one of those style pizza cutters before. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'll toy around with the idea of buying it, but, uh, it's very, um, it reminds me of, have you seen those knives that are like ceramic and they're just colored? They're not like, they don't look like metal at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what it reminds me of. I don't know. I like I when I see like, those I in the store, well I'm like, works, is that gonna but, work? Yeah. You know, that looks like plastic. So right. I'm I'm sure it'll work just fine. If anything, it'll look awesome in your kitchen. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it'll go very well with my Godzilla cookie cutter. Yes. Yes. There you go. All right. Uh, next up, Sci-Fi Japan has an article about Kotobukiya's Super X2 that should be hitting stores in Japan sometime in December. So I just have a small. Little Super X2 guy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kotobuki is making a larger one. Like, I think it's probably going to be about like 10 inches long. Sweet. Oh, nice. And, um, that's cool and everything. I already have a lot of Super X2s in my collection, so I'm not going to get that. However, the thing that I really want is that for some reason, the, the base of it, you've all seen Biolante, right? Yes. I think you have. Okay. So on the battlefield, they decided to try and 
they shoot Godzilla in the mouth with these cadmium missiles. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're not working. So they're like, well, how are we going to accelerate that process? So they have these like uh, lightning generator pads that they put all over the battlefield. And so that's the base for this Super <laughs> X2. That's cool. And if that wasn't enough, one of the Heisei-style Mazer tanks also comes with it. And, like, Aww. it's really cool looking, but I don't know if I can justify <laughs> spending that much money. Like, I'm just going to open the box and pick up the Super X2 and just toss it. And be like, yay, the electric lightning generator and the Mazer <laughs> cannon. But I'll have a link in the show notes to Sci-Fi Japan's article about that. Moving on, August Ragoni, who wrote the book uh, A.G. Subaraya, Master of Monsters. His blog has an, a couple of articles I want to talk about. Number one is uh, an article about a new Godzilla album coming out. So for, you know, this is actual vinyl record stuff. They apparently, oh shoot, I can't remember who it was. They found missing cues from King Kong versus Godzilla, I believe is what I read there. Uh, if you like records, if you're also a soundtrack collector, you might be interested in this. Just head over to August blog and check that out. He also has an article about the Toho Champion Matsuri book that is coming out. This is what we just actually talked about during the Godzilla's Revenge discussion. Uh, I actually really want this book because I find the entire process fascinating. I'm pretty sure that eventually we'll have an episode dedicated specifically to those festivals because we talked about it during the Godzilla versus Gigan commentary. They happened every year when the kids went on break from 1969 through the 70s, I think. And sometimes it was a, they'd have a Godzilla movie that was shot specifically for them, like Godzilla's Revenge, or, uh, you know, like Godzilla vs. Gigan is another one. Or they would take a pre-existing movie like King Kong vs. Godzilla and cut it down. So if you look at the U.S. cut, this is a, like uh, David Callet mentioned this. If you look at the U.S. cut of Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, when Honda edited it for the Champion Matsuri festivals, he basically made it almost identical to the U.S. version of that film. So it's kind of a... It's an interesting aspect, and uh, it's something that I haven't really dived into much, so I'm really interested in checking out what this book looks like. Plus, you know, another book for the collection. Can never have too many books. Next up on the news docket, Studio Daily posted a visual effects breakdown from the brand new Godzilla film, and I made these guys here watch it, because as I was checking it out, uh, and I think I'm pretty sure I had seen most of these cutaways and uh, onion skin layers mm-hmm. like pulled away and stuff like that in some sort of video that has been posted like since the movie came out. But as I'm watching this and, you know, listeners, feel free to check the link in the show notes and watch it as well. I couldn't help but notice that the <laughs> the video showing the visual effects process looked better than the actual movie, it looked brighter, looked more colorful and uh and i was like this can't be like what it is and then at one point during one of the shots it's like everything looks great and then they <laughs> splash some gloom and doom over there and you can barely see anything yeah, uh but if you're interested with, yeah it did right it looks way better than yeah than there were the specifically movie. like three or four shots yeah. in that mm-hmm. that i was like i can see much more detail in this little youtube video than i can on my blu-ray disc so um Anyway, this, if you want to check that out, if you like the effects in that film, it's actually pretty cool to watch. 
Uh, and the last thing we're going to talk about product wise, which I probably should have moved into the other stuff is something that I'm excited for. Um, in Japan, they have a brand new Godzilla phone case <laughs> for the iPhone five and five S that looks like Godzilla's skin. And it it's, <laughs> it's funny because like the complaint that I've heard about it is like, oh, it looks like tree bark. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Godzilla's skin looks like, yeah. dude. Looks like tree bark. Um, I'm totally going to try and get one. So hopefully. Nice. <laughs> and they come out in, in January. So if I have the opportunity to go back to Japan and they're on sale, I'll get them. Otherwise, I'll just grab one from the internet somewhere. Uh, and that's going to do it for our regular news. There is a Kickstarter campaign happening right now that uh, I wanted to mention for a graphic novel called Terra Kaiju by Joe Badan. And I hope I'm saying that name right. It is a comic inspired by Daimajin, GMK, and a Thai film, I believe it's Thai, called Su Hong Wu. The first few pages are on the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, the perks include digital and physical versions of the comic, uh, prints, sketches, and more. They're shooting for $3,500, and their deadline is January 8th. So if you uh, are into kaiju comics, make sure to head over there and check that out. We are going to go ahead and move along. We don't have any catastrophic events. Nothing that I know of, at least. I know they just had Akira Takarada in Germany. Hopefully we'll have more information very soon about signings and appearances and all sorts of cool things happening uh, towards the next part of the year, which would, I guess, really, I guess, would be the beginning of next year. Housekeeping items. First and foremost, Kaiju Core stuff. It's been a little while since we talked about the Kaiju Core stuff. Uh, I got the shirts in. Oh my god, it took so long. <laughs> I am really, really sorry to the Kaiju Core members that have uh, been waiting so, so, so patiently about this stuff. Um, we have, this is what's going to happen. I have uh, people who have donated to the Kickstarter campaign and people that are just Kaiju Core members. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to separate those out. So the people that donated to the Kickstarter campaign, your Kaiju core perks are going to be sent along with your hail to the king perks and those of you who are still awesome and members of the kaiju core you'll get yours uh, sent out by themselves because you all have been so patient i'm going to add some extra little goodies into your packets so thank you again for your patience in that and there you go and i guess speaking of the documentary and since martin's here i got to <laughs> taste a little bit of pain uh, i was working on the subtitles was that yesterday? Yeah. That no, was yesterday. Yes, it was. I went down to the studio and I sat in front of the computer and this was pretty much seven hours of uninterrupted work. I worked on the subtitles for one interview, <laughs> one 40 minute interview. So yeah, <laughs> somebody asked me today how the documentary was coming. And I was like, it's coming along. It's going slower than I'd like. But at the same time, we're just at the a point where it's things that we're waiting to do or taking a long time to do. So um, I'm not going to rush it. I know I talked about this on a Kickstarter update. I want the documentary to be as awesome as possible. So um, we're, we're not just going to push something out that, that doesn't reflect how incredible this entire thing was. So um, I'm actually going to be a lot less stressed out about it when we get the perks shipped out. <laughs> 
Uh, and everything has been ordered. Everything is in except for the books. You guys saw the book I had before. Mm-hmm. So the photo books, um, I had to tweak a couple things and then those got, uh, those got ordered last week. So they'll be here, I think on December 10th. I'm going to record a video about that as well, but just in case there are people listening who are kind of like wondering what the status is of the documentary, that, uh, that's pretty much what I have to say about it. Once we get our rough cut in and we send it off to the composer who then makes the music. And then we get that back and probably have to tweak some more stuff and then, then get it out there. But it's pretty cool. I'm really, I'm really happy with what we have. And that's very, very important. Because if I wasn't happy with what we have, I'd probably just cancel everything. Kaiju cast, done. <laughs> Kaiju King, done. I don't want anybody to talk to me ever again. I'd lock my doors and just hide under the bed. We have another important housekeeping update. You know what's coming up real soon? The Emergency Broadcast. Our annual live show, our live broadcast is going to be happening. I have it tentatively scheduled for January 11th. That's a Sunday. We always do it on a Sunday. I'm already starting to track down prizes. It's got some very interesting companies on board with donating. So that's pretty awesome. Also starting to look at uh, people to talk to. Our live guests, as it were. Uh, I definitely have one person on the line for that. And, uh, I think, I don't know how high to aim the, the benchmark for it, but who knows? I know for a fact we'll have a documentarian on the show <laughs> and maybe another one as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just talking about me, obviously, but we're going to go ahead and close out the show. If you found the podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, point your web browser to kaijucast.com where you can find our full episode list, our Daikaiju discussion schedule, the contact form, which, oh yeah, I'm super, super, super behind on emails right now. All sorts of stuff on kaijucast.com, not to mention links to all our social media, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, all that stuff is on there. And links to our friends' websites. Also, don't forget to check out those show notes for links to all those awesome news articles uh, once again, don't forget if you want to send in your homework, you got to do so before December 17th for Gamera Guardian of the Universe. We are going to close out the show with one final request. Uh, this was from Eric, and what he really wanted to hear was something we haven't played in quite some time, and I definitely am uh, very happy to play it. We're going to close things out with the Pacific Rim main title. See you next month. Jamata.
It wasn't good. One out of ten atomic breaths. Blasts. My bad there. Breasts. (laughs) (laughs) Seven out of ten. (laughs) All this talk about Hooters girls. (laughs) Let's try that again. (laughs) Atomic breasts. (laughs) I saw I saw that movie. Uh-huh.